Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I'm talking to you about trials and tribulations. And James really communicates this concept so well. And, and, and we've kind of been in a, in a little bit of a theme where we're talking about flesh versus spirit. Last week I talked about kingdom over culture. Not just kingdom versus culture, kingdom over culture. And I want to expand on that theme as we talk about the trials and tribulations that you're going to have to face. And here's a very famous verse from uh, the book of James right at the beginning. Instructions to us in times of difficulty. He says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He goes on to say, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How many people want to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? And he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you don't quite know what to do, don't know the direction to take, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now there's a lot of imagery uh, that that James is is using as he writes to us. And and much of this imagery I'm going to explore through uh, this sermon today. He's talking about not just who to approach but how to re- approach. Not just, um, um, not, not just he, he doesn't just talk to us in the fact that we are going to go through things, but he goes much deeper and says, when you go through, through things, this is how to respond, react. But more than that, this is why God's doing, doing it. Uh, he is not putting you through this because he's against you or abandon you. or God is not frustrated with his people. James is saying, in fact, be joyful because you're going through some serious stuff. No doubt. It's serious. It's very difficult. It looks like a storm. There are waves and there are wind, but God's building something in you. Steadfastness, stability, strength, boldness. I'm preaching already. I want you to know God is doing this not just to you. He's doing it for you. Might I even say, God's going to do something through you, but he needs some built-up Christians. Stable, faith-filled, on mission, with a purpose, knowing who they are, knowing whose they are, representing Jesus well. Our mission at Awakening Church is to show Jesus to the world. Well, we have to get Jesus on us and in us, our actions, that he may speak through us to all around us. Look at what James does in the, in the message translation. It just explains it so well. He says, consider it a shared gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. And the, the message translation puts it so well sometimes. He says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. And it shows its true colors. You feel under pressure right now? Take a look at what's happening to your faith. You're getting a revelation of what it really looks like. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient, 
in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, it's all of us. Pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help. And you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. What a good God that wants us to come before him, wants to hear our need, and wants to begin to build us up. Here's my point for you today. So simple, but I believe it's going to, uh, it's going to affect your life for the next few months. Here it is. The shaking that you're going through on the outside will strengthen your foundations on the inside. What am I saying? The shaking will strengthen your foundations. Yes, there will be a shaking. And yes, we are in a storm. And yes, there will be times and moments where it seems that you are finding yourself in the midst of chaos. And yet, your inner self can have stability steadfastness. Say, well, it sounds impossible. No, it's not impossible, and it's not natural, but today we're talking about the supernatural. My goal today is to prepare you to persevere. Listen to me, saint. God wants you to persevere, pioneer. He wants you to move forward, not just in peacetime, but also in wartime. God wants you to not just be healthy when it's easy, but he wants you to be healthy body, mind, and soul, even when the world is filled with unhealth. I believe that you're called to persevere. I believe that you're called to make it through. Have strength, but you're going to need the essence, the source of that strength. Today, let's prepare to persevere. James is writing this letter to the churches that have been scattered all over the world due to persecution. They understood very real oppression. They understood pressure, being in fear for their lives. They understood not knowing where to go. What, what's the next step to take? They literally were fleeing for their lives. Members of their ministry, Stephen, was stoned to death. Now, of course, they're hearing after that that unbelievable miracles are happening, that there was even a man that was part of stoning Stephen named Saul who became Paul, and now he's preaching the gospel, yet they're still in fear. There's chaos. There's lack of communication. People are being scattered all over the world. They, they feel like they're under the thumb of Rome, and yet God is using this persecution to dispel the gospel to places they wouldn't go if they were just driven by comfort. Because God will use even the uncomfortable moments and seasons of culture that the word of God might reach the world that is God's. And so here, James is writing to members who were a part of his church. He pastored these people. He married these people. He was there at their highs and their lows. And he's writing to them. And, and he, he understands what they're under. In fact, James himself is going to be martyred. For his belief in Jesus. And he, he tells us how to respond. He says, count it all joy. Count it all joy? My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because your trial is going to be different than my trial. The trials on the East Coast are going to be different than the Midwest. America is going to be different than, than in Asia. But we're all going to go through various trials. And they are going to be very real. And no one's going to get out of it, but yet... Here James talks about our response. And for our response, he says, count it all. Joy? Be glad about it? 
be, 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 be happy when you're going through difficulty? What a word. What a challenge. 2020 has been a year of various trials, has it not? It has been the year of testing, shaking, storms. You know, the message translation says when you're facing tests on all sides, that's 2020. It's the year of tests on all sides. And we know it's not even done yet. We know more waves are going to crash against the ship. And yet, James, knowing that difficulties would arise, he says, let me help you with your response. Your response, Christian, should be joy. Should be gladness. Should be thankfulness. Joy? How do I have joy amidst chaos? How is that possible? Doesn't seem natural. Doesn't seem human. How can I have joy? Can I remind you that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. That's the key. That I cannot have joy out of my own strength, out of my own nature, out of my own vibe, out of my own decision-making, but if I have the Holy Spirit on me and in me and guiding me, if you have the Holy Spirit on you, one of the fruits it will produce in you and through you is not just love, it's going to produce joy. Joy is a spirit-enabled reaction. It's a spirit-enabled reaction to difficulties surrounding you. And you would know, you would know that you have this joy not out of your own strength. And everyone around you is going to look at you when your reaction is not like their reaction and say, how, how are you doing this? Here's your opportunity to preach the gospel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So joy is a supernatural reaction that is born from the Holy Spirit. That's the only way our response can be Christ-like if we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. He, he, he goes further, James, and, and I, I like what he says in the message translation here. He says, not only should you count it all joy, you, you know that under pressure, your faith life is going to be forced out into the open and it's going to show its true colors. Now he's speaking about what happens through the response you get a personal revelation. Trials reveal the real you. Tribulations reveal your inner foundations. And, and, and James is speaking that to us. He's saying, take a look at your reaction to adversity. Because you're going to find something out about yourself that you would not know unless you went through the fire. Unless the storm came, you would never find the things that it pulls from the depths and leaves on the shores. Unless the waves crash, you would never know that the seawall was to fail. Unless you went through this, you would never figure out what's happening on the deep, deep parts of your life. And so I guess I would challenge you right now, in the midst of this year, what is the reality of your response to adversity. What's the reality of it? You know, when no one else is around. Not what you're projecting. What's the reality? 
Not what you're putting on, but what's going on. What's the reality? What's happening on the inside? Now, I know you might want to avoid this. Right now, you're feeling a little uncomfortable. So I'm looking right at you, and I'm asking you a question. But I believe until you're able to confront something, you're never, ever going to be able to change something. So what, what's your response been through this? Has it been healthy? Has it been good? Now listen, we have all had to go through it. And we have all had our highs and had our lows. So I'm not, I'm not going to judge you not one bit. But what I am saying is if you can be honest with yourself and honest with the Holy Spirit, maybe now God can go, can go into a deep place in you and bring a deep healing, conviction, and change in you. So what's your response been to the adversity of this year? Has it been to blame others? Shifting blame off yourself. Always finding someone else to hate. Someone else who's responsible. Something else. It's the government. It's the institution. It's the doctors. It's whatever. You're, you're finding someone to blame. When in, the rea- when in reality, you yourself are not handling this well either. I don't know. What's your response been? Maybe it's been to go into a depressive state, to collapse inwardly. Hey, maybe no one even knows. Maybe even the people you live with don't even know. But it's just you and me here now. Maybe you are fighting depression for months at a time, exhaustion, state in your mind, and emotions. What's your response been? Because there's nothing like trials and tribulation that reveals a wrong response or an unhealthy response. Or maybe I would just say a human response. But you're called to more than humanity. You understand, I'm talking about the supernatural. What's your response been? Maybe it's been to lash out. Maybe you've been simmering with anger towards everything and everyone. Hey, and maybe you have justified your anger. Because there's reasons to be angry. And yet, you're operating out of a spirit of anger. You've allowed a spirit of depression to come on you. You've you've allowed a spirit of blame to work through you. And maybe that's not it. Maybe it's something different for you. Maybe I, I could never even put my finger on it. But right now, the Holy Spirit's bringing you to a moment. Right now, the Holy Spirit's bringing a memory up. Maybe it happened last night, maybe last week, and the Holy Spirit's saying, see, I'm going to put my finger on this thing, and I know that the storm has caused this to come up, and yet I still want to heal it. I want to deal with it. We're going to work through it together, but I want you to confront it. Because, see, your response to adversity, difficulty, it reveals the real you. And understand that God, he goes deeper than our display. He goes to our foundation, Because your display can be fake. Your display can be put on for everything and everyone else. But God, he wants to go underneath what man can see. Man looks at the outward. God goes right to the heart. God wants to look at your foundation because when it all comes down to it, it doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. It doesn't matter matter if you can fool others. You cannot fool God. And most importantly, you can't fool yourself. What am I saying? I'm saying you are called to have stability deep on the inside that the boat might tip, but it will. 
will not sink. You are called to have a rock on the inside of you. You are called to have strength. You are called to leadership. You are called to help. You are called to forcefulness. You are called to advance. And yet, when we are not operating like that, we got to come to God and say, we need help because we don't want to let go of our calling just because we're going through it. Hear me. God did not call you to leave you. He has called you. He will rescue you. He will get you back on track. And he doesn't buy into the display. He's looking at the foundation. He's looking at the real. God wants to go a little bit deeper. You know, I'm sure you've heard the stories of, of archaeologists that have found incredible things as they agitated the surface. I'm sure you've heard that of the times where earthquakes struck and yet through the earthquake, through the shaking, they were able to reveal uh, ancient things in, in the basements of cathedrals. or They, they, were, they were able to find uh, ruins they didn't know that were there. When storms come, it, it brings things to the surface. You know, many times through renovations, people find... Uh, beautiful mur murals that were hidden behind walls. And, and sometimes as people are, are even um, pulling down old paint, they find behind it beautiful frescoes that were painted in ancient times by artists. What am I saying? I'm saying through the shaking and through the persistent agitation, God might reveal underlying things, beautiful things, old callings, who you really are. But the world has come and it's added layers of junk. It's added layers of sin. Layers of unfaced issues. And you've lost the real you. You've lost the beauty of the display. You've lost your foundation. And so God will bring pers persistent agitation to uncover what's really going on in your foundation. God wants to restore you. God wants to bring you back to your original state. He wants to show his beauty and majesty and might through you. But hear me, you're going to have to go through the process to get back to a holy, a stable, and a healthy foundation. If you have abandoned that old foundation and you've covered it up and you're building on something else, let it fall. Let it fall. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, at, th at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. That's the promise. Doesn't it even feel like that's happening right now? The whole earth is shaking. And it's shaking on many different levels. And yet we know, anyone with any spiritual sense knows that this is not just natural. There's something going on in the supernatural. It's not just the earth that's shaking. It's the heavens that are shaking. You're shaking as an individual. But we're shaking corporately as well. Our nations are shaking. The world is shaking. But hear me, the supernatural state is shaking at well. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. We're talking about things that are shakeable. Things that are man-made. Things that are of culture. Things that are less than. Things that are not kingdom. 
things that are not spirit, things that are flesh. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things. God wants to remove some old things, some old ways, some old mindsets and patterns. Anything that can be shaken should be shaken. God wants to reveal the things that you cannot cling to, that you thought you could have relationships and economies and governments and amendments and people that you cannot cling to because they cannot save you. And so God is saying, are you ready yet to find what's stable? Are you ready yet to get back to who you really are and called to be? Are you ready yet to find a firm foundation? Come on, the removal of things that are shaken, that is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. There are things that are eternal, they are supernatural, and they are unshakable. Those are the things to build your life on. Those are the principles to set deep. Those are the actions and reactions. Those are the relationships that are worthy. Jesus remains. His word remains. His church remains. His people remains. Heaven and earth will pass away. Cities will pass away. Our old bodies will pass away. What will remain is worthy. We're talking about what brings steadfastness into your life. What brings stability into your life. Look at verse 28. It says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Kingdom or culture? Culture is falling before our very eyes. Kingdom or king? Government is falling before our very eyes. Kingdom over anything else on the earth. Only kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of Jesus is worthy of your life being built on it. And so James moves on. Figure out who you are. Allow the shaking to reveal your inner self. And then he says, now it's time after that to make a resolve. Look at this verse. He says, and let steadfastness have its full effect. He's saying, don't skirt the process. Go through it. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What's James saying? He's saying that if you persevere, God will build so much more into you and through you. Maturity is on the other end of tribulation. Hear me. God has not given up on you. And because I think that's what the enemy wants to come and say to you. By the way, I think the enemy wants to come and say you're going through this because you're a bad person. You're going through this because you're imperfect. You're going through this because you're not good enough. You're going through this because you don't know how to pray enough. You're going through this because God is against you. And I'm here to combat that lie, that the shaking does not mean abandonment by God. The shaking actually means God is bringing you back to the foundational things that should be, that are unshakable, and it is what you should be building your life upon. Why? Because God wants you to go through it, that you might be built up, mature, well-developed, not deficient in your faith or in your life. Jesus tells a parable along these lines. It's actually at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. 
And he tells a parable about two different sets of builders. One builder went and he built his house on the sand. And in the good weather, it looked perfectly fine. The other set of builders, they went and they built on bedrock. See, the reason you would build on sand is because just by looks of it, an untrained eye, not understanding how building works, it would seem perfectly fine. And in Israel, for many months out of the year, you were able to build in what looked like a desert place. But when the rains come, they come quickly, and they create valleys quickly, and anything in their path gets destroyed. Jesus is saying some people took the advantageous route. Some people took the easy way out. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Some people, they went and they built on culture. It was there and everyone else is doing it. So I'm going to look and act and believe and, 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 and build like everyone else. It's simple. It's easy. That's my way. But some said, I'm going to go the extra mile. Some said, I'm going to build on principle, on bedrock. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to go after what's right despite a greater cost. And yet Jesus says there came a time where the storms did come. It's a promise that the storms will come. And Jesus said the rain began to fall and the tide began to rise and the waves began to hit and the wind began to whip and the house that was built on sand fell. And the Bible says in great was its fall. There was destruction in that house. There was hurt. Because see, when you build on anything other than the rock that is Christ, the cost in the end is far greater than you can bear. Jesus said, I paid the price for you. You were bought with a great price. And I gave my life so that you wouldn't have to endure that great fall, the crash. But Jesus said, the one that was built on the bedrock it survived the storm. It was built on something greater than the natural. The promise is the storm, but you get to choose your foundation. Christ or the world? Flesh or spirit? Kingdom or culture? There's not many choices that you have in life. You look like how you look. You're as tall as how tall you are. You were born where you were born. You didn't choose any of that, but one choice that you do have that will affect every other choice you will ever make, one choice that will outweigh them all is what will you build your life on? The sinking sands of temporary or the eternal bedrock of salvation? I'm asking you to resolve today to stand on the rock of salvation. Romans here, Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah, and he says, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling. It's a rock of offense. But whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Many will be offended by Jesus. Some will stumble on the way. Some will just say it's just too much. It's not what I signed up for. I thought I was going to get saved into wealth. I thought every single prayer was going to be answered completely to the way I saw it immediately, as if God is my eternal vending machine. I get exactly what I want when I want it. 
There will be some things you're going to have to get over. You're going to have to forgive some people. Some people that never even asked for your forgiveness, you're going to have to forgive anyway and move on. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to look different, maybe, than everyone else around you. That might be a stumbling block for those that desperately want to be accepted by everyone else around them. But hear me, you must be accepted by Christ, not the world. Christ might be a stumbling block where people will say, well, how could you ever go there? And how could you ever be a part of that church? How could you ever be with those people? Why are you always, it might be, people might not understand it, but hear me, take the world, but give me Jesus. He'll never put me to shame. The King James says, he will never disappoint you. He'll never let you down. He is the eternal rescuer. He is the one that will love you when you are so loveless. Jesus is begging people to build their lives not just on him, but on his teachings. Go read Matthew 5, 6, 7. Go read the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, can you live like this? Go read the Beatitudes. He's saying, can you build your life on these principles? Because they're going to make you look radically different than the world. Can you endure that? If you do, you will never, ever be put to shame. When I perform a marriage ceremony every single time at our church, one of the phrases that we, we say is to build your house on the rock that is Christ. And we always make this declaration, with God you will have everything, but without God you'll have nothing. I guess my question to you today, church, people all over the world, here's my challenge, here's my question. It's very simple, but I, I think I need you to to really hear from God on this, are you building your life on the rock or is it built on, on sand? And when I mean your life, I, I guess I mean this, are, you, are your beliefs founded on the rock that is Jesus or are your beliefs founded on whatever people tell you to believe this week? And I'm sure it's going to change next week. When Twitter decides to move the goalposts on you, it's going to change. Beliefs, <laughs> beliefs, in the world and culture, it certainly is on, on shifting sand. And it shifts quickly. But God's saying, but will you come and will you build on something more eternal, more stable, something that will outlast you? Are you building, hear me, are you building on the rock with your actions, with your emotions? Are you taking your emotions to the cross and allowing the cross to renew them? to convict them, to challenge them? How about your relationships? Are you building on the rock? Are you taking on the whole armor of Christ? Here's, here's why. Here's why. This is what Paul says. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. There's stability again. Stand in the evil day, in the day of adversity, that your strength might faint not. Put on the whole armor of Christ that when the shaking comes, you can stand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, and be unashamed of the gospel despite the cost. Stand. Stand even if you stand alone. Stand. Stand even when it costs you something. 
Even when it's not advantageous to you, stand. Stand even when the whole world tells you to sit or to bow or to lie down. Stand. Because we do not serve man and we do not serve self. In the name of Jesus, we do not serve ourselves. We were never meant to be worshipped. Our emotions were never meant to be put on a pedestal. Our thinking was never meant to be the ultimate guide. We cannot serve ourselves. We make poor gods with poor decisions. We have to put on the armor of Christ, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit. Make our stand for the only thing that's worthy of our life, the one who gave his life for the ransom of many. We're coming into a season where God's going to make us choose who can withstand. Think of Martin Luther, the great reformer, put his 95 thesis on the wall in Wittenberg, and he challenged a church that had been corrupted, a church that had become all about money, all about looks, a church that had abandoned God and had gone after the world. And Martin Luther had a righteous indignation rise up in him, and he began to challenge that church. And And he found this revelation in Scripture which had been lost. Why? Because the church was no longer preaching Scripture. It was preaching humanism. And in the Scripture, he found that we are saved by faith alone, not by our works. And when he came out with this revelation, oh man, all the leaders, the elders, the bishops, the priests, the pope, they flipped. You know this story? They excommunicated him from the church. Back then was worse than a death sentence. It was an eternal one. And the emperor at that time called for Martin Luther to come and stand and speak to his heretical teachings. Luther knew that in all likelihood, if he did not recant his teachings, he would be killed by the government. He had to be prepared to give his life for this revelation. And so Martin Luther took his stand. This is, this is the statement he made. He says, Unless I am convinced by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. What is your conscience captive to? He goes on, And he says, I cannot and I will not recant. I will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. With those words, he sealed his fate. It's been mythologized down through the years. And they've kind of boiled this whole statement down to one phrase. Here I stand. I can do no other. It captures the essence of what Martin Luther said here. He's saying, I I will not go back. Knowing that with with these words he forfeited his life, he says, I choose to stand on the rock that is Christ. And I will not move to the sinking sands of the world even if I'm threatened with my life. Church, right now I see that we are being forced to make a stand for who we are. God is bringing us through a discovery process. We are, we are being 
revealed through this shaking, and it's not done yet. The good and the bad. Some of you are discovering your callings. Some of you are discovering deep conviction. Some of you are discovering deep hurts. Some of you are discovering deep healing. But make no mistake, God is doing a deep and internal work through the outside shaking. And the shaking may increase. And I want to tell you about the church that I see. The church that I see right now, it's being built up by God, even as it loses its influence over the world. The church I see right now is filled with a remnant that are taking their stand and are growing in maturity, even as some of their friends and family fall away. The church I see right now is filled with young and old leaders that are discovering who God made for them to be revivalists, prayer warriors, evangelists, teachers, intercessors, mothers and fathers, that build a family based on an eternal word, despite the destruction all around them. See, you could look at the church right now, and you could, you could see the shut doors. You could see the prayerlessness. You could see those that have seemed to lost their faith quickly. Or you can look at those that are gathering despite the difficulty, that are praying despite the adversity, that are worshiping despite the rules, that are coming after God with everything that they've got. And I see God blessing it. I see salvations happening all over the world. I see people coming into community. I see young people having their priorities set for their entire life. I see values being raised up out of the Spirit of God. The church I see right now may be a remnant, but it's getting stronger. It's being perfected. God is bringing a deep and eternal spiritual stability to his people. So brace yourself and don't get knocked out of the church the community of Christ, by any outside force, wind or storm. Resolve today to build your life on the rock that is Jesus Christ. That you might remain. Remain. Be built. Be used. Receive. You might say, well, well, what do I do? How do I remain strong? How do, do I remain in the community, connected to the people? Despite what's coming, how do I remain in the remnant that would give everything for Jesus? I think it's really simple. James says it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. What's he saying? He's saying if you don't know what to do, if you're unsure about the next step, you don't know where to go. You don't have any strategy. If, if you feel like, like a spirit of fear is trying to come on you, an anxiety it's trying to find its place in you, an instability is beginning to shake underneath you, ask God. 
Say, God, I need wisdom right now. Will you help me discern what's the right spirit here? Will you help me decide which step to take right now? I need wisdom right now. God, my intellect has failed me. My habits have gotten all mixed up. My strategy is gone. But God, will you give me wisdom right now? I remember I, I met a man in Israel who lived out there. And he told me every day he would go to the empty tomb, garden tomb, and he would sit and he would ask God every day, God, what do you want me to do today? And he decided his day right there. He said, I just feel like there's an open heaven over that place. Can I tell you a secret? There's an open heaven over you. You don't have to go to an empty tomb. Jesus is not there. He's here. The Spirit of God is on you and in you. And so if you lack wisdom, if you lack that steadfastness, if your reaction has been terrible, if you have fallen away, come back to God. Ask him for the next step. Because he gives generously. He doesn't mock. He doesn't bash. He doesn't condemn. He took your condemnation. He gives generously to all without reproach. He's glad to communicate again. The open heaven is over your life right now. The open heaven is over your asking right now. So seek, knock, and the door will be open and it will be given to you. I believe if you stay led by the Spirit right now, you will be strengthened by, these, by this storm. Strengthened. You might be saying, well, Jordan, that's not possible. I'm going to have to survive the storm and then I'll come out. No. In the midst of the chaos, I believe even there is where you're going to find stability. In the midst of the storm, there peace will be revealed. In the midst of it. Are you hearing me, church? In the middle of it. We're not putting our life on pause. We're not putting our serving on pause. We are not putting our Jesus following on pause until a more advantageous moment. We are walking with Jesus, yea, even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We will not be given over to fear because we will not be given over to evil. Because you are with me. Your rod, your staff, your word, it comforts me. And you prepare a table before me. Even if my enemies are present, you'll still fill my cup. You'll still take care of me. And they will not have the final say over me. I'm speaking to you right now. So we don't avoid the valley. We go through it. Knowing that the valley will not end in death because life walks with us. Knowing that the shaking will not end in destruction because we have built on the solid rock. That is Christ Jesus. Knowing that the church will advance and will continue despite the fallout because we are his bride and he returns for us. Which means the church will be here in the end. Church, hear me. We're going to stay spirit led. And I, I've got a prophetic word that God's put on my heart. And I've, I'm going to speak it to you and maybe expand more of it in the next coming weeks or months. But I believe this, fortune favors the bold. Now is the time where God could do immense and immeasurable things if you don't operate out of fear. But if you become unshakable because of the rock, I believe 
you're going to find favor. And I don't just mean fortune with wealth, but can I say this? I do believe, even with wealth, those ideas, opportunities, and moments when everyone else pulls back, come to God and ask for wisdom because he might tell you to launch now. And if you have some supernatural strength on the inside of you, maybe God will do something that you've never could possibly imagine through the most unadvantageous times, supernatural things, if you will give him the glory. So may the storm strengthen you, because his spirit will lead you. And may the Lord Jesus Christ, may his face be towards you. May his blessings come on you. May his spirit guide you into all goodness. I want to remind you, he is for you, not against you. He is with you, and know that he's building you, perfecting you, and maturing you. So church, in this season of unsurety, our certainty is found in Christ. We will not be dissuaded. We will not be distracted. We are going to stand as the people of Jesus Christ with boldness and faithfulness, and we are going to serve with everything that we've got. And let's see what Jesus will do through us. I believe we are going to see unique miracles out of people that are unshaken in these moments. Be prepared, church, because God wants to use you. But come right now and rebuild, rededicate, reappoint yourself, resolved to build on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.